This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Loaf Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! To the Low Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the stress and the strain on this week's roundup. It's two out of two as Town beat both the Elements and Carlisle United. Chelsea under 21s conquer over Town, but nobody cared. More transfer chat, plus a look ahead at the games coming up. I'm joined by journalist Ben Wills, who bemoans yet another frantic conclusion at the county ground. Hello, Ben. Yeah, uh, hello, Rich. A very, a very stressful um, e- afternoon I had in my first um, competitive swim in the game of 1920. You know, I'm, I'm very privileged to do what I do, but, um, you know, any gemish nightmare you sort of can have, I, I did have uh, on Saturday with, you know, a red card and late goals and all the rest of it. So, um, so yeah, enjoyable afternoon for the um, for the fans and for me, but um, some definitely some stress in there as well. Let's start with the Carlisle game then as Town recorded their first six points out of six points start to a season since Dennis Wise managed to achieve this after wins over Hartlepool United thanks to Peter Bresabin and Barnett thanks to Royce Brownlee way back in 2006. Both sides had won their opening day fixtures but it was Swindon who dominated the first half as they tried to use the windy weather to their advantage but were ultimately unable to find the net. Doughty came close, clipping the bar, while Keshi Anderson should have done better with a close-range header. Carlisle also came close through Jack Bridge, but his effort was well saved by Luke McCormick, and it was nil-nil at half-time. The second half started promisingly for Swindon, but it was the away side who took the lead when Harry McCurdy's great run resulted in Olifella Olamola finishing to make it 1-0. However, Townheads did not drop and neither did 
the town fans who didn't instantly give up with that dreaded here we go again mentality and an equaliser followed just four minutes later as Jerry Yates bundled it home as we all waited for the goal to be disallowed for some reason. After that, Town pushed on and took the lead through Zeki Fryers' header from a corner. Lovely. Former Loney Canis Carroll came on and was then sent off for a reckless challenge on Jordan Lydon. And the game was pretty much sewn up by Kane Woolery, who, after missing a one-on-one previously, made no mistake in the 90th minute. And that's where we wanted to finish, but debutant Carlisle forward Mohamed Sagaf pulled one back shortly afterwards. Luckily, things were reasonably comfortable after that, and it finished full-time. Swindon Town 3, Carlisle United 2. What was your take on the Carlisle win? It was such an eventful game. There's a lot to um, sort of process and take in. I'm not, I'm not sure I'll cover all of it in this sort of brief ramble at the beginning. I'm sure I'll forget loads of stuff. But generally, I have to say, is impressive. I think the scoreline definitely flatters Carlisle. I think Swindon sort of um, battered them from, from the go, really. And, you know, it's sort of typical Swindon. We've seen so often from so many different areas that Swindon have sort of dominated teams at home. And then, what was it, seven minutes into the second half? So quite early on to the second half, Carlisle took the lead. And you're like, oh, God, here we go again. And... You know, generally I thought in the first half that Carlisle um, were here to hit the draw, and they they, they did. You have to say, as impressive as Swindon were, they Carlisle did very admirably to um, keep them behind the ball and frustrate Swindon. And then, you know, when they get that early goal in the second half, you, I, I really got the feeling now that you know a difficult task has just be- become even more difficult because a team that is sitting in at nil nil is certainly going to sit even more at one nil. So, you know, I generally thought at one nil that it was going to be a really difficult difficult game, and I, I didn't think Swindon would get. Um, one point, never mind three. So it was huge that Yates scored so quickly after after their goal because, you know, as obvious as that might sound, you know, if it took um, 10, 15, 20 minutes to get that leveler, then uh, then that, that, that it might not have came at all really. So so for that so for them to hit back um, Carlisle so soon after really didn't give Carlisle any momentum and Swindon could um, could go on and, and win the game, which they did, and they they thoroughly deserved it. Even if the scoreline was was closer than I think stats and. Um, Swindon's performance um, suggested. What did you think of Carlisle? Generally, I think they were really good. I think, like like I touched on, they they were doing what they had to do in the first half really well. I think I, I know Swindon had a lot of the ball and they did have shots on goal, but frankly, I can't remember Colin doing anything too much in the first half. I just said that Doughty hit the bar and, and Anderson missed a, a bad header and, and Yates shot over in the first half. But, you know, like I said, all those were off target. So Colin didn't really have any decent saves to make. So Swindon were good and they were doing what they were supposed to do, but Carlisle were holding firm quite well. And as I said, when they won the lap, I was, I was worried because I thought a team that was going to bank in it, um, no one was going to bank it even more 1-0 and they'd become even more tight and compact. So, you know, credit has to go to Swindon for breaking that down, but I think Carlisle frustrated them pretty brilliantly until the, what was it, 56th minute or whatever it was. So I think Swindon are going to have that game at the kind of crowns a lot of times, or that first half of the kind of crowds a lot of times where they've got to really work hard to break teams down and, They'll have it again in the next home game. Northampton will do the same thing. So they've got they've got to get used to that. And I think, you know, I touched upon last week that a lot of times it's not going to work. They are going, they are going to drop points um, in these sort of games. But you know, the, the, the difference between playoffs and automatics or mid table and the playoffs is going to be Swindon being able to, you know, just about nick um, those three points against these teams that, that come here and, and sit back um, as well as Carlisle did. 
Presley certainly had a game plan and as soon as they took the lead they were preparing Canis Carroll. Let's talk about what James Leggett describes as the best 24 minute cameo that he can think of as the former town loanee got sent off on his return since leaving after his spell ended in the summer. Although we wouldn't have wanted Leiden to be wiped out, Carroll really plays with that over-enthusiastic manner, and I would say that the fans booing him from the moment he was ready to get on, I think it attributed to his decision-making, because like I said, does seem to react to the environment around him. Yeah, I like Carroll, and he, he, from his, what, five, four or five months, he was, he was here, we, we knew what he was like, and I thought the booing was kind of harsh because, you know, he didn't badly treat the club in a way, but I'm sure it was just that standard football fan thing of booing any ex-player. And as he said, it, as he said, it probably winded him up even more than, than he normally is. So um, I have to say absolute credit to Jordan Lydon. He's one of these players that um, we've had on the injury asterisk. It's almost had a history we've got to be, be careful of, but he sort of got a bit of a kicking in the first half near the corner flag and looked like that was his afternoon over and he, he came back on and then, you know, he sort of got lynched in the second half from, from a, frankly, pretty vile and horrible tackle from um, Carroll and he, he carried on and looked um, generally fine. So so credit to that and that shows that Leiden's full of stronger stuff but you know, yeah, as you said, uh, Carroll was quite easily wound up and uh, he was always in danger of getting a yellow or red while at Swindon. I don't think he ever did get a red but uh, cl- clearly the um, the spring was oversprung this time and he, he completely, completely lost it um, in the last um, sort of five, six minutes, whatever it was. I don't know where to put this but I wanted to mention it because it's funny. Stephen Presley had the... Uh... Had the dugouts moved back? Yeah, it was quite interesting. I think, you know, Wellen's got them moved in pre-season to... I think he basically said he didn't want the opposition um, hear, overhearing what he was saying to his players, which is uh, which is f- kind of fair enough. And then, uh, you know, he they were... It, well, it, it turned out um, at the beginning of the Carlisle game that they'd been moved back, and I thought maybe the EFL had sort of had a word and, and forced him to. But according to Wellen's... Uh, Steve Anderson, the chief exec, got a phone call on, on Pressy's request. They were, they were moved back because... He thought it gave Swindon an unfair advantage, which I'm not sure about that, frankly. But um, Wellens wasted no time in sort of getting in, into Presley's face and in the uh, faces of the um, sort of backroom staff. And, and clearly, the, Wellens got those dugouts moved for a reason because he wanted to avoid uh, picking up yellow cards and, <laughs> and getting, into, getting into minor scraps. But uh, I'm not sure what advantage Swindon can possibly get from having them further away. But clearly, it's important to Wellens and, and clearly important to Presley as well. I think it's simply because the fourth official would be based closer to the bench. But if Presley's suggesting that, he's uh, he's putting the integrity of the fourth official into dispute, isn't he? But, oh, I'm telling you, we've got ourselves a touchline personality with Richie Wellens, haven't we? He got booked for mimicking, uh, mimicking the assistant referee. It was also quite fun to watch him go toe-to-toe with Gavin Skelton, who's the... Uh, assistant with Carlisle who's quite chippy and a scary Scotsman himself Wellens was having none of it it was wonderful viewing yeah we might have like a sort of mountain to canny on our hands but um but yeah it's always quite funny if Wellens that although you can't really um make out every word from the press box you can just hear this sort of like gruff mank tone that's shouting at people so he's quite animated and quite angry on the touchline but it's um it's good value and uh you know, a lot of fun. Hopefully he doesn't get too many touchline bans and we'll see if the dugouts get moved back um, for the Northampton game. We'll, we'll see if Keith Curl has a problem with it. But um, even so, if, if they stay the same, it could be uh, could be some lively encounters during the course of the season and beyond. If they won, send me off. Every game? No problem. I will win this league anyway because my team is a strong team. They're world. We play football. Even if they send me off, we win this league. No problem. Let's go through the starting 11 one by one and 
see what you thought of them. We'll start with Luke McCormick. Yeah, generally fine. He made a really good save in the first half. Oldham didn't do too much. Um, I think most of their shots went in, frankly, but um, he, he definitely made one really good save in the first half. I just think, you know, I'd, I'd probably repeat this a lot over the course of the season. Over the course of the season, I sort of already have um, in pre-season and, and towards the end of last that McCormick isn't a good kicker. I know the wind didn't help. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that sort of leg room, um, but still, it's... I don't think it'll lose Finland games, but Finland might draw or, or or not get the win because a lot of his, his kicks sort of lets Finland down. So that, that needs work, but generally a, a fine display. And as far as a traditional goalkeeper goes, like I said, he made one crucial save in the first half that kept Finland level for um, a bit longer. Yeah, I would largely agree with that. I thought his kicking was good considering the weather yesterday. It started with the flashbacks of Fraser Digby versus Stevenage in the FA Cup in about '98. 99, where the ball just goes back and falls to the forward Graziado who scores. But after that, he was really punting it and he was doing a reasonable job. It seems that Wellens is taking a step back from getting a new goalkeeper in. Yeah, he confirmed in the um, post-match that Ted Smith won't be happening. I think there's a money problem there. But um, I don't think he's given up the dream of a Sunday keeper yet. But he kind of echoes the same thoughts I've got, is that he would like another one, but he won't lose sleep or... I think it's a nightmare if he doesn't because McCormick is fine generally. Um, so yeah, me and Wellens have the same opinion that I hope we get another one. But if we if we don't, it's not a major issue. But it'd be nice if we do get another one in. Rob Hunt. To be fair, I thought Tyler Reid would start as right back um, going into the season, and Rob Hunt has started both uh, Scunthorpe and Carlisle. So clearly, he's won that early battle. And generally, final. I don't think he's he'll be the main um, attacking wing back. I think that'll be that'll be Friars. We'll touch on in a sec, but. Yeah, generally fine. He'll contribute to to moves going forward, and it was a, a solid, if unspectacular, um, sort of display um, at the weekend. So I think both both um, players we've talked about so far be that solid sort of journalist six, seven out of ten. Not not bad, not excellent, but you know perfectly fine, and um, did the job they were supposed to do. I would say with the Chelsea under twenty one game included, that it's not been the best week for Hunt, although nowhere near the worst. I've got to say, I've got a good feeling about him. My first impression of him is that over the season, he's not going to take the plaudits, but he's probably going to go down as one of the manager's players of the season because he he just does his job. He's a a 6 out of 10 player, which is no bad thing, really. Yeah, like like I said, I thought Reid would be the starting right-back because um, Hunt has been that player to um, cover, what I thought, cover both right-back and left-back. But, you know, like I said, Hunt's won that battle at right-back and if he's needed at left-back like he was on Tuesday and if Friars gets a problem, then... He'll be solid there. It seems like he's more of a right-back, given that's where he's been playing in the league. Yeah, maybe he needs some work on the other side, but clearly, like, like you said, he'll be that solid player, the, the underrated, the, the 7 out of 10 every week player that, that teams need. Yeah, I meant 7, not 6. I think he, this week he's been a 6 out of 10 player, but I think, as it stands, he might go to a regular 7 out of 10 sort of player. Next up, Zeki Friars. Jay Collett described his goal as just sublime. Yeah, not a goal I'd expect from Friars. I mean, he doesn't score much anyway. It was only his, sec- um, his second professional league goal. He got one for Barnsley. So um, so he's already, already doubled that. And, and don't expect Friars to score many goals. But still, it wasn't a goal I expected. A header from a corner is not what I expected from a wing-back. And uh, Jiminy took his goal well. And it, it was a crucial goal as well, being that, being that second one. I think defensively, a bit suspect. But frankly, um, that's going to happen. You've got, you've got two wing-backs that are better going forward than they are defensively. So... Am I surprised that Friars is is um, a bit suspect going back? No, I think it's just something um, he needs to work on. I don't think he was at fault really for the um, for the second goal. He certainly wasn't for the first. It was nowhere near him. So 
so yeah, he wasn't the reason that Swindon conceded goals and generally, again, perfectly fine 7 out of 10. Yeah, I, I really love the fact that Zeki Fries is at this football club. It wasn't quite messy on Boateng, but it felt at the time that he really did get got but for Carlisle's second, but I don't think you can be pointing fingers at him. No, I, th- I think the first uh, the first goal was worse for other players and the second one was for Fries and you know, I, I didn't really see the second one that, that well considering I was already typing frankly, frantically and then the second one went in. So, um, so yeah, like I said, generally fine. He won't get many goals this season, but nice he's on the board anyway. And, and hopefully those defensive displays do improve. But like I said, this is this is going to happen. He's not, even though he is playing left back, he's not a defender in that sort of sense. He'll be going forward a lot. So he will get caught out occasionally, but hopefully that's, that's to a minimum. And Swindon do keep some clean sheets anyway. Matthew Baudry next. I still feel a little nervous with Matthew from time to time, but we're talking about League Two centre backs, aren't we? Yeah, this is the one with the first one. He really, is, the first goal. He sort of really is done for pace. Um, not the only one, but he was sort of like let, let, left behind quite badly for the first one. But you know, like like I said, he's he's 31 years old and he's he's in League Two for a reason. So um, it's not awful in that regard. And he's generally he's like sort of that experienced player at the back, and he made some good standing tackles during the game as well. So. The first goal may be his fault a bit, but um, that's going to happen, and uh, he's not going to be that player that's going to be running after people. So he sort, of, he sort of needs help from from Rob Hunt and Dion Conroy, who are better runners, and hopefully he can be that more sort of leader at the back that, that prevents chances like that and cuts some mistakes out of his game. But generally improved, I think, because he made some pretty bad errors in pre-season where two goals he gave away from playing that from the back badly, and he's improved in that regard as well. So early days but uh, generally doing well if there's occasional worries and, and lapses in concentra- concentration occasionally Next up Captain Dion Conroy due to the weather those spraying passes didn't have the usual success rate but fair play to him he kept trying seems to be embracing the captaincy really well I saw some footage after the game where you could see he was talking to his teammates like he was the skipper seems like there's a decent centre back pairing forming with him and Matthew as well yeah, I think he was one of the main people sort of pulling Leiden away after that, um, or other players away after that Leiden challenge. So I might be reading too much into that, but he seems to be sharing at least some leadership qualities and seems to be um, happy of being the captain generally. And like I said, the passes weren't quite working um, on Saturday due to the weather, but um, it was they were still not awful. And a lot of them were, were still coming across quite well. So, so yeah, I think a lot of players were were solid and then once we get to the sort of second half of the pitch and then we see the, the sort of exceptional players but Conor was just in, in that sort of bracket of, of goods but not outstanding but that's that's perfectly fine Let's talk about Jordan Lydon been lots of love for this guy nathan james asks can you please spend at least 90 percent of the conversation talking about Leiden? i think i'm in love <laughs> yeah i think we were supposed to do most of the podcast uh last week on lloyd isgrove's first set for the first goal um the scum when and we didn't do that so i don't think it'd be uh fair on on isgrove to talk about Leiden um in more depth but even so i think as a a really impressive display from him. I, d- I didn't see um, the Scunthorpe game from from the off, obviously, but um, from all reports, it sounded like he's doing that sort of ugly defensive work and then starting moves. Whereas on Saturday, I sort of saw 
a more sort of Yasuka seam side to him as, as someone else mentioned in these in these questions where you know he's, he's sort of calm on the ball and he's turning himself out, out of the way into trouble out of trouble and and giving it to other people so as well as he can do that sort of ugly work as well and winning tackles he can do that sort of nice deep line um playmaker sort of sort of plays as well so I don't think he's going to be a headline maker at any point during the season he's not going to be get, getting those you know goals that win games but he'll be doing his job nice and nice and solidly and, and, and bringing others into play that can that can you know be beneficial to Svindler going forward. Lawrence says that he honestly hasn't seen a better performance from a holding midfielder for a long time. It reminded him of Kasim when he could play a bit, only stronger and more passionate. Early days still, but tying him down to a longer contract now or in January has to be key. Yeah, I think um, he's... Welland's got a lot of players on two-year deals um, at the beginning of the summer and towards the end. There is a lot of players that could be key. He's only got down on one-year deals. I think a lot of that, a lot of that is insurance, um, given they could get injured and lie down with one of those players, as you mentioned. So there's no word of an option um, as far as the club statement goes. But it wouldn't be the first time they haven't mentioned options, so he could have one. But definitely get, having that one year um, is insurance for if he got injured badly again. But but clearly, if he's um, performing well and performing to this level still at Christmas, January time, as as the as the, as the um, listener said, then we can still. You know, hopefully extend that contract and keep him. But clearly, there's a long way to go. It's only, um, you know, early August, so hopefully he continues to impress. But uh, there could definitely be some conversations with him and uh, the likes of his growth, who are only on one-year deals. And hopefully, if they if they continue in the vein they are, then they get extended beyond um, beyond next summer. Imagine if they didn't have options. Eesh. Tradition of the match day seems that match day sponsors always get the man of the match role. Maybe that's just my opinion. But they went with Jerry Yates, who had a sound game. Had to be Leiden, though, right? I think they generally get them right, probably because they, they, they normally go for goal scorers. And I think there's been a lot of sort of drab home games uh, in, in recent years. And Isfin has scored a goal at home. That would be easy for the man of the match. But, but yeah, I think they got it wrong this week. I think Yates was fine, but I don't think he was man of the match. And Leiden was certainly among the top performers, if not the um, the best players. So, so yeah, clear man of match, I think, this, this week. And, uh, you know, sponsors uh, wanted to meet the goal scorers there. No real surprise that a lot more um, as the season progresses. There's also been a lot of appreciation for Lloyd Isgrove. In ex-player terms, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Sammy Igo. Either way, Lloyd Isgrove, he's so hot right now. Yeah, he's done a lot of the, um, the sort of running that he needs to do. I think um, he needs to be... That important player that um, sort of contributes to the the high pressing and, and and winning the ball back and he does that a lot. Um, not always successful, but um, he, he will do the the ugly, the ugly work that Wenners needs him to do. And you know he's, he's already got one assist in his opening two games, so he's he's contributed on that side too. I don't think Saturday was uh, one of his better displays from what I've seen early on, but still again perfectly good and and was a nightmare for any defender on counter attacks and, and going forward. So yeah, definitely a handful. And you know like I said, we'll bunch of him with Lydon and that one-year deal that we hope's got an option but if not there could be um some headaches and some trouble going into next summer michael doughty <laughs> i really i love watching michael doughty play he seems to be constantly just he's, he's so aloof in the way he plays i remember saying um to a fellow reporter uh, like during the first half that he's having sort of loads of fun i mean he was just sort of sitting in the field and just spraying sort of 15 yard chip through balls out to each flank and when Swindon were nil-nil, it was like Swindon were in the lap, just sort of, Dalton was so relaxed and, like I said, so aloof, just sort of not really moving that much and just chipping balls to people, which is like, this is this is serious stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, he, he just seemed to be a player that's 
just constantly relaxed and he's he's all like that the Spindermez Urza if you like this this clearly brilliant but might um, annoy people where he doesn't do loads of running but clearly he's got quality to just sort of spray passes all day and, and generally another solid display from him yeah he seemed to figure out the weather um, quite early on in, in distribution of the ball but his yellow card took his intensity down a wee bit I thought also yeah I think mean, he's not really an intense player anyway like I said he's he's, he's so sort of aloof and relaxed that he, you sort of forget you kind of forget he's playing after that at the time and then you get, he gets the ball and just pings it out another 20 yards and you think oh yeah that's quite nice and he gets a nice round of applause and, and that sort of thing like he's playing in some sort of charity game but um but yeah, he won't get many yellow yellow cards, I think. But still, he he certainly lost a a part of his game due to that. But but generally, still committed and and trying to make things happen, which you know he'll do um, week in week out. Keshi Anderson impressed again. I think the, the the finishing the finishing needs work clearly. As you said, that header was in the first half was pretty bad. I mean, he's about four five yards out, and he somehow spooned it out sort of near near the corner flag. It was it was that bad. But um, but yeah, and he had that shot as well that was sort of like flashed across the face of goal but clearly um an influence and you can see why people like me like him but clearly gets it's, it's frustrating as well and you know i would like um him to be kept around but clearly wellness has got him transfer listed and if they can find a buyer he will go because his, his wage is, is quite high uh, supposedly but but still an important player and if, if Swindon don't find that number 10 towards um will be key in Swindon going forward because he started both games and been impressive in both so so yeah, and I start for Anderson. Hopefully, he can be consistent because Lord knows he's um, got a habit of not being, you know, ten out of ten most weeks. It's going to be one of those moments where the people who have spent months saying that Keshi Anderson isn't good enough and should leave will be absolutely furious after the last two games if he is sold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, I think even if he stays, he'll probably be he'll probably be leaving in the summer anyway because he's out of contract and I think Wellens. Despite playing him and despite liking him, probably wants to offload him because he wants to bring in his own players with more sustainable wages. Maybe, but even so, I think he's a he's a great player, but he's annoying. But he, it seems to be both him and uh, Kane Waller, as we speak about later, have um have improved and when is it sort of unlocking um, their full potential? Jerry Yates, yeah, doing what we need to do. I think I was I wanted to see really from Sasso whether he'd be that sort of willing runner that does the. The, the running to be that impressive uh, pressing player that's been in need and generally he was doing that um, I didn't see enough of it during pre-season but he's improved in that regard and you know his it, um, second goal of the season wasn't quite as nice as his first one it was a, a lot more scrappy but they all count and, and Jerry it needs to be that sort of um, uh, sort of player that can they can get all sorts of goals and, and versatile in that regard so until Swindon can get another striker to compete with his place he's probably the, the most key player of the squad because you know he's the only one that can be counted on to be you know getting goals week in week out and two and two for a new signing and a player that a lot of people didn't have faith in going into the season is a, a perfect start for him it's a question that's been asked and it's going to be asked every week as long as Jerry Yates is scoring or playing well and Nathan Philpott asks it this week do you think there is a possibility in signing Jerry Yates on a permanent deal and if so would you like to see that happen? I mean, this week we've seen Steve Morrison, who was on loan from Millwall at Shrewsbury. He signed on a permanent basis. Do you think potentially they might get it over the line earlier than January or in January? I, I can't really offer any advance beyond what I said last week, was that he's out of contract at Rotherham. So there's a there's a massive possibility there. But I think it depends on how Rotherham do. If they stay in League One, they might want to keep him around. And if they go to the Championship, they might not think he's cut off that level. So... 
I think it depends on Rotherham more than it does on us. Um, and you know, as, as long as he's getting goals and, and uh, you know, 100% record currently, then um, he'll be impressing Swindon. But like I said, it depends on what Rotherham do. If, if they extend his contract tomorrow, then um, Swindon won't send him on a free and they might not pay for him. So just be a case of waiting, I think, and every Swindon fan, if they like Yates, should be hoping Rotherham get promoted, I think. I was absolutely convinced that his goal was going to be disallowed for something. It, it took a long time. I think, thankfully, um, there's no VAR in the in the uh, in League Two. Sorry, but um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of waiting around and checking who scored. It's quite of a mess in there, and there's a lot of pushing and shoving. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a long update before um, uh, change of the match report. But when I was writing, but um, yeah, nice that it did stand and and uh, a bit of handbags afterwards. But all fun and games, and, and thankfully, Swindon did level from. Uh, not a brilliant goal, but um, a crucial one nonetheless. And finally, Kane Woolery. It looks to be like, uh, you know, Wellens is, is unlocking Woolery and what he can do. But, you know, we've we still got those frustrating moments in the... Um, there's one in the second half where he missed a, a really good one-on-one and you think, yeah, that's that's a Kane Woolery we know and not really love. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, he gets, it, you know, a carbon copy chance and you think, yeah, this is probably going to be straight at the keeper again. But this time he does score and and sealed the win or fought sealed the win at the time so so yeah definitely worked to be doing he's not perfect in his one-on-one opportunities but I think he's getting better and you know one goal and one assist for him in his two games as well so he's he's improving his end product as well. Kane certainly thrives when the game is getting stretched and Carlisle were looking for an equaliser he's he's the man to have up front at that stage or certainly his attacking option. Yeah you have to say that you can't get someone who's much more suited to a counter-attacking um, style than someone who's so quick that when when, when uh, I think Leiden won the ball and then Anderson played him on and he's got pretty much you know half the pitch to run into that he's going to win that all day and he's going to leave uh, I think Byron Webster for dead and in slot home so so yeah Willoughby is going really gonna, really going to come into his own in sort of last twenty minutes when defenses are tiring and then Spinner can just cut them open with one ball and Willoughby's got that speed to, to completely leave defenders um, chasing dust and if he can just sort of that finishing and be 100% or you know 90% reliable from, from one-on-ones and you'll get a player that will finally hit, be hitting those 10, 15, 20 goal marks that he should have been hitting in the last uh, two, three seasons. Byron Webster made some friends this weekend. Yeah, typical of me to um, miss Shitazri stuff while I'm uh, writing and, and doing all sorts of things but um, by all accounts he seemed to have annoyed those in the town end and, and Twitter showed him a lot of love at full time. So uh, it was nice that Kane really sort of uh, embarrassed him and did this sort of nice sort of crossed arm celebration to uh, right in his face to annoy him. So that was nice and uh, a nice bonus treat for, for those that made the trip on uh, on Saturday. More of that, please. Alison's done well. They're surrounded by Wolves players and still managed to find a way out to Paul Allen. Here's Walters. They've got some strength in the box here, if he can get the cross in, Walters, and he can, and Alisson's there! Well, that's an absolute peach of a goal. OK, then, well, I know it, Richie Wellens knows it, and one more Dave knows it when he says that town need more depth. First eleven looks strong. I think the bench, transfer listed, Jermaine McGlashan aside, had about 20 games between them. Yeah, I agree with the point that it's clearly an inexperienced bench, but I kind of think that's you kind of got to live with that probably because it's it's, it's League Two and we, we you do take a lot of players that are inexperienced or honoured to be um, given their first real chance. So 
as experienced the bench was, you've got players like Reed, May, Ballard, and, and maybe Curran that, although haven't played that many games, will be part, will be part of the squad. So, you know, if, if you don't like the fact they're inexperienced, that's sort of tough because, you know, if Hunt gets injured, the Reed is coming in. If Dalton gets injured, then May is coming in. So they're inexperienced, but they're part of the squad and they're important. So hopefully some more players come in that are, are backup and can be relied on and have got more games. But, but clearly there's a lot of players there that, that have to be um, hidden gems. And, you know, I could name countless from the players that have, been, that have come before and won experience before and ended up being key players. Everyone from sort of Luongo to Sam Parkin. So clearly it's not great that it's an inexperienced bench, but like I said, they're going to be key members of the squad and, and they all get games here and, and hopefully, you know, impress then and, and be crucial to the squad. It just might be, you know, a tough times when Swindon are seeing games out of 20 minutes left and they're, they're bringing on, you know, kids, one of a better term. So a long way to go, but hopefully they can be worth their, worth their weight and, uh, and chip in with valuable minutes in, and uh, contributions. We also found out after the game via Richie Willens's press duties that Jayasimi is out for nine to twelve weeks, and that only enhances his need for born players. Yeah, I, I think he wanted a number ten or a winger anyway, but um, clearly these two now, or, or at least one, there's a lot more um, precedent than it was uh, a week or two ago. So, you know, Jayasimi joins an unlucky club of you know the likes of Ibrahim Atiku that sign and never play or certainly unlikely to play if he hasn't been sent back to Norwich um, permanently, but clearly it's uh, pretty brutal for a new signing to get injured, but he was one of those you know, injury asterisk players as, as so many were, so I think it's it's maybe good news that at least a backup player in Joe Simi um, gets that injury rather than you know, Baldry or, or, or Doughty or someone like that, so it's someone that's been in can cover for, but clearly it's a uh, we've got enough transfer headaches going into the last month of the season, that's another one that is definitely unneeded and unwanted. Moving on then, we've got a question, or you've got a question, from Alex Howroyd. He asks, with our style of football and threat on the counter-attack, do you think it's likely we will have a better away record than home this season? Yep, yep, pretty much. Um, you know, we, we kind of touched on last week that we'll never see, um, you know, the likes of Plymouth away as easy games or, or um, you know, banker games, but Clearly, I think we'll start looking at them as, as teams where we can definitely get things from and will suit us a lot more because they want to attack us. And then the games where, you know, Carlisle at home, Northampton at home, Morecambe at home, Macclesfield at home, they're going to be games where we might have to start looking at them and going, oh, this might be a bit tough, even though they're, the squad is much weaker than Swindon's. We're going to start thinking, you know, this is the team that, that banks in and puts men behind the ball and we've got to work hard to break them down. And and, and Plymouth and Exeter and, and Bradford and all these teams will be more expansive and and leave gaps to the counter-attack. So, so yeah, definitely, I think, hopefully, Swindon do have the quality to, to get past those um, difficult defensive teams at home, but clearly, I think, it's definitely perfectly logical to think that away games where teams go for it a bit more um, will be beneficial to the way Swindon go about things. A defensive-minded question from Kyle Roberts now, who notes that both goals conceded came in a similar fashion. Ball out wide to tricky-ish wingers who crossed low and scored. Admittedly, the run for the first was better. Richie Wellens mentioned after Scunthorpe, I believe that he wanted to defend from the centre out. But do you think we should think about this type of defending should be changed, or were the two Carlisle goals just well worked? I think it's you know kind of just links into what I said earlier that it's going to happen that when you've got two full-backs that are attack-minded, they are going to get caught out occasionally because 
you know, they're not Premier League quality. They are League Two for a reason, and they're not, you know, Robertson and Alexander Arnold and, and, and tracking back to, you know, an immense, um, you know, quality to, quality degree. So th- there are going to be times when when they get caught out, and, and you know, defending from the centre makes sense because. You know that's the only sort of defensive players in the squad really, because Fires and Reed and Hunt will be going forward as well. So, yeah, it's just going to happen where wingers sort of blister past the the fullbacks and and run into that space. It's just a case of hopefully over the course of the season, those those fullbacks and wingbacks sort of get used to get used to that and, and get better at tracking back and, and being defensive. But clearly, like I said, it's going to happen when uh, you know all, all or both the wingbacks uh, bomb forward to um, to quite a high degree. Before we leave this game, I do want to dwell a little bit more on the positivity because, you know, it's a Swindon Town podcast and at the moment the going is good. And you can really feel the unity within the club from the non-playing staff to the playing staff and the management as well. They're giving it a real go. It was great to see all 10 players outfield celebrate Woolery's goal. It was great to see Noel Hunt trying to G the crowd, get them going after Yates's equaliser. I hate to sound like a uh, football club social media account from about 2011, but the fans were class, especially after Carlisle scored their first goal. Notoriously have got on their backs quite early on, especially where this game had a lot of the feel of last season where we started really well and then we slowed down and then they scored. It was great to hear a little bit more noise, nowhere near our potential, but the indication suggests that the fans are listening to Richie Wellens' pleas. With 44 games to go, and this could all easily nosedive, but long may this continue. Yeah, of course, it's it's great to see um, Swindon start to buy into Wellens and, and really get behind the team. And uh, you know, it was a bit crap that the the fan zone had to be cancelled due to the weather, and hopefully that will make an appearance um, against Northampton in, in a week or two's time and 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 get some you know a, pro- a proper workout later on in the season. But definitely, there's there's some good moves. From from on the pitch and off the pitch in terms of increasing um, sort of fan unity and and fan happiness and that sort of thing and you know like like I said before in pre season thing it'd be interesting to see if the results dip a bit whether that continues I think that's the aim you need to keep that keep that going if, even if results um, do go down a bit because you know Swindon are going to win forty six games this season or unlikely to so. Um, <laughs> So you know, if if it does you know go off a bit in in a month or two, then that needs to carry on. But as long as Swindon are winning games, then then hopefully the uh, the crowd will will follow suit and, uh, and and that will help the results as well. Let's move towards transfer talk. Only a couple more weeks of this before the proverbial window slams shut and all that malarkey. West Coast Wizard asks, Wellens is in the market for a striker, but what sort do we want in and why? Yates is doing a great job, but do we need pace around him or a big lad? I'm still a fan of Theo Robinson. He would score goals in this team, especially alongside Yates. Well, I think it's going to be someone that needs to play on the road. I don't think Yates will be working with anyone else. I think it's Yates or someone else. Um, so basically to be kind of the same as Yates, just sort of that. Uh, we'll do the running is useful in around the six yard box because you know the, the people that do you know other running and be that more um, quicker attackers will be Isgrove and, and Worry um, and you know not Jaisimi but whichever ten replaces him so so those are players that will do the um, the more energetic running to to help Yates but clearly I think the, the striker or strikers who need to um, to support Yates will be basically more the same so if they can, if they can carbon copy him or you know, get uh, get someone um, as similar as possible, and that'd be great. So, it doesn't need to be 
anyone who's a lot quicker or doesn't need to be a target man, as I said, for reasons last week. So, so yeah, another Yates will do. It's been quite quiet on the rumour mill front, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, we haven't seen um, a lot for a good few weeks now, and there's been nothing from Alan Nixon apart from Ted Smith. So, yeah, not 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 a great sign, but clearly Tanner are, are plugging away, and hopefully we'll see some from the next two weeks. And I, I very much doubt they will go into the season with just Yates and Twine, but you know everyone um, towards the club knows that Wellens has had some difficulty. So hopefully two more come in, but you know Hilton hasn't been involved in, in Luton squads and. And Hope wasn't involved in the Carlisle squad uh, yesterday, so maybe those are still on. But clearly, there's a hopefully team can come in, but it's going to be difficult. And, and you know, hopefully, Swindon can find players in the next two, three weeks. Yeah, I was going to mention Hallam Hope. He has been mentioned as a potential target and former target. Jamie Devitt seems to be going wrong for him at Blackpool. Yeah, quite incredible how, how that's happened. But uh, the, the manager Blackpool had one. He signed him, liked him, obviously, and. Uh, you know, Simon Grayson doesn't, so that that could be a sign there. Like I said, Swindon now need that sort of winger slash number ten player, so Devitt would fit that mould perfectly. So whether can whether Swindon can afford wages or or stamp up the uh, percentage needed for a loan fee will be, you know, is that is there to be seen? But hopefully, if if um, he can't be, you know, brought to the club, then, then someone else can. And, and the Jaisim injury isn't felt too badly, and Swindon have a a full squad going into September. Karouche's delivery and Carl! We'll talk about instant impact. His first touch brings Swindon an equaliser. Let's go back to midweek then, as Richie Wellens made six changes for the leasing.com trophy tie against Chelsea under 21s. In all honesty, it was quite a good game. It had a friendly fixture feel to it and both sides produced some decent stuff throughout the 90 but it was Swindon's defensive play that would really let us down. Tino Anjouring gave the visitors the lead after McCormick's save fell nicely to the Chelsea forward. He celebrated by doing that hand-to-ear celebration in front of what 12 fans who were in the town end that night. Didn't matter to Tino though and he doubled his tally four minutes later sweeping it home from Ian Matson's cross. The feeling was very much here we go again for those who remember last year's fixture. If you don't, you finish 4-0. However, Town pulled one back a couple of minutes later through Dan Ballard's header. And after that, Town largely dominated until half-time. And it must be said it was a pretty lovely header as well by Ballard. The equaliser came just after half-time in 47 minutes. Adam May finishing from distance, silencing a few of his early critics. The game, however, was won by Chelsea's Cold War-era misery guts, Charlie Brown, who finished nonchalantly to give Chelsea under-21s a 3-2 win. But I cannot stress this enough. Nobody cared. So then, the leasing.com trophy. Ben, did you see the highlights? I have seen the goals, yeah. But um, I'll let you lead on uh, your deep uh, hot takes and analysis from uh, the 490 minutes. Not much from me because... You know, it's like talking about a combination fixture from the 90s and I doubt everyone's leaning forward and listening to what I have to say about that. Ultimately, as I mentioned, I thought it was quite a good game in a domestic-friendly sort of way. There was the feeling in the stands was no frustration when we conceded, no, no elation when we scored, a few cheers, but that's about it. 
my main problems really come within what we have to do in this competition because I trust Richie Wellens when it comes to the squad but I think it's a bit of a shame that it's a competition where he feels that he has to showcase unwanted players for attending scouts instead of giving minutes to people like Scott Twine and Ralph Graham who was on the bench um, Tamani Diogaraga and Jermaine McGlashan both played despite Wellens not having any, any interest but because nobody's coming in for him he has to play him play them in these sort of games. I thought McCormick, Hunt, Doughty, Anderson, Woolery and Yates, all the people that featured in the league games, they were they were clearly playing at 75-80%. They were preserving themselves for Carlisle and that proved to be the right decision. Same with Isgrove as well, who was probably the standout of those players. Um, I quite liked Tyler Reed. I think he is definitely waiting in the wings for Rob Hunt to potentially make a mistake or get injured or what have you. He's quick and in control, but I do wonder whether his his play will stagnate if he's not playing regularly. I don't think he's a player that will benefit from sitting on the bench and not getting minutes. I think he will definitely play against Colchester and he definitely needs to. And I think Wellens alluded to that. Dan Ballard, great potential going forward from set pieces. Looked difficult, looked tricky every time he went up. But he was a bit suspect at the back. And I think Wellens, again, highlighted that. Tom Broadbent is an interesting one. He didn't have a great game. And there seemed to be a few, not heated, but disagreements between him and the bench during the game. There were definitely a few chats. Neither party looking particularly happy at that stage. A few quotes from Richie Wellens after the game. Tom is competing with four other centre-backs and we have the option of playing Zeki at centre-back as well. He was given the opportunity against Chelsea to perform and show what he can do. I think he will admit himself that he didn't do himself any favours. The league is my priority and will assess Tom's situation going forward. I think you would file that Firmly under damn son. Ben, I put it to you. Could Wellens be looking to offload Tom Broadbent? Or is this a case of just poor form? Or is it a challenge like Keshi Anderson or something else? If he's trying to offload him, he's got a job because he's he's got a long contract um, in, in Lee to speak. So that's not ideal. But clearly, um, he's got three centre-backs ahead of him in Conroy, Bowdry and Ballard. So not great. <laughs> Um, hopefully, if they need to find um, you know another outlet, then that, that can happen. But uh, clearly, if they can't, then he's got to work his way into the squad somehow. And he's also got to compete with uh, Taylor Curran, who's who's been uh, brought in as well, and also got a long contract he'll be competing with. And you know, Jeremansky uh, could be could be you know brought back for line, all that sort of thing. So I, I hope he's not uh, trying to be so poor because he's, he's on a long contract and, and and needs to be important for Swindon really. But but clearly, if he's not. Um, up to up to the level in League Two, and that's worrying, and it needs to be moved on. The only sort of worrying thing you really say is that, you know, it's one of Wellens' players. It's, it's, it's not like a, a Brown player that he inherited. He bought Bourbon in, and he'll need to work with him and it makes you sort of wonder what he saw in him in the first place. So, I think Swindon fans should be definitely hoping for Bourbon to improve rather than Wellens trying to force him out because it could prove quite difficult. Like he's like he's had difficulties with McGlashan, Diagaraga, and Anderson. Moving on to the rest of the guys that featured, Tamani Diagaraga, huge fan of him over the years, and he got some pretty decent reviews from fans who attended, 
but I just didn't see it as somebody who was at the game as well. He seemed off the pace and on the brink of a red card offence. Some of the challenges he was going in on. A lot, not a lot, but a couple of people said it's an improvement from what they saw last season. And if we're going to accept mediocrity, essentially, it's a dangerous game and we're not going to go up if we're going to embrace that sort of performance. Adam May, first half, looks somewhere between lost and languid. I think people often confuse the latter with being lazy. I don't think that was the case. He did look a little lost at times, but that goal early in the second half, if he shows those moments of inspiration, then that hopefully is a sign of things to come. Ellis Iandolo, he was fine until the injury. He got a few critics. I don't think he did anything wrong, but he certainly didn't do anything spectacular. Big chance for him and he's got injured. So that's a big shame for him. Jermaine McGlashan came on. And Jermaine McGlashan was Jermaine McGlashan. He showed some genuinely great moments where he does all the hard stuff. And then he just shoots at the goalkeeper from reasonably close by. It was a great shame. He definitely should have scored one. What did you think of the goals? Uh, generally, Chelsea looked pretty rapid. I think Anjoran was definitely uh, someone to um, someone to be, be fair off. I think he was only 17. He, he looked sort of a cut above um, a, lot of, a lot of the sort of Swindon players. And I think Billy Gilmore impressed. But that's, that's no surprise given that he's not on the fringe of the first team, but he's certainly um, in the conversation more than the, um, the other players are. And, you know, as I, as I can say, as a Chelsea fan, I sort of only pay attention to the, the really highly rated ones because anyone sort of knows that Chelsea don't give many chances to the Youth Academy prospects. So I think anyone who sort of knows Chelsea only pays attention to the the really highly rated ones. And although I recognise a lot of the players, it's only really Billy Gilmore that he's really sort of had an eye on for breaking to the first team. So it wasn't really a surprise that he impressed to such an extent. And, you know, I think a lot of people wanted uh, Anjouren to be signed on loan, but given he's only 17, I think that's probably... Uh, Unlikely, but certainly he impressed and will no, no doubt be getting a decent loan probably somewhere abroad in the, in the next sort of couple of months or or uh, in next summer. The West Coast Wizard has a second question asking, How good are the new guys? In order, your top three and why. West Coast Wizard goes with Isgrove for Kalassi Pace, Leiden, Technical Reader Sublime, and Friars Experience and Super Crossing. It's obviously early days. We're only, we're only two slash three games in, so it's not a deep comment on this one. And I'm sure um, minds will be changed as we go on to, you know, October, November, etc. So I think after two games, and you'll have to say uh, Yates is, is number one. I think for a striker that I wouldn't say much maligned, but because there's, he's only the, the one, I think people have been nervous about him and, and been anxious and not really had a lot of faith in him. So for him to sort of come back and score two and two I've got a lot of respect for and obviously as a striker you can't ask more than that so I'll have the H to my number one Lyde's number two like I said I've only seen him properly twice but he sorry only seen him properly once but he got good reviews in the um, in the first league game and you know I was impressed in the second league game so I'll have him as number two and, and freeze his growth I, mean, I saw him a few times in pre-season lively a constant headache and um, has been as much in the uh, in the two league games so far so that would be my top three, but I'm sure if we did this again in uh, in April, May, then my answers would change. But clearly, the, uh, those three have impressed, and you know, special mentions to to Fryers and Hunt as well, who have been perfectly fine and impressed as well. And Borges had a bit of a slow start, but he's not been awful either. So I don't think there's been any sort of well and signings that people are really nervous about. But I think uh, you know, uh, Yates, Leiden, and Nisgrove are probably uh, most most people's top three in, uh, in in corresponding or or in different orders. 
And long may that continue. Let's finish up by looking at the games this week. On Tuesday, August 13th, we travel to Colchester United in the Carabao Cup. Kickoff at 7.45 for those going. Tickets are £15 for adults. For the over 65s, it's £10. Under 21s, £7. And under 14s, £4. That's seating. This is Swindon's second League Cup game against Colchester. The other one was way back in 1971 with Colchester, the comfortable 4-1 victors. Brian Lewis scored a hat-trick after Arthur Horsfield had levelled the game at 1.0. Well, our last meeting was in March of this year at the county ground. It was a 3-0 win for Swindon, but it has to be said that eight of the 11 starters are no longer at the club, and that includes all three goal scorers, Canis Carroll, Luke Wolfenden and Kyle Bennett. Ex-players currently playing for Colchester are the forwards Luke Norris and Frank Newble. I was hoping for a bit of a League Cup run, but it sounds like Wellens is going to go for a significantly changed starting eleven, akin to the Chelsea under-21 game. I do hope, though, that Swindon can scrape through because glamour ties aren't that far away in the League Cup. I care about this game slightly more than I did uh, Chelsea. I think I will, I will at least celebrate goals and uh, be disappointed, even if it is only for about 10, 15 minutes, um, if Swindon lose. But I've, in the sort of pre-season, uh, preview podcast we did, I, I've got Swindon done as a, a second-round League Cup exit. So I'm hoping to get to win one game at least, just so I'm proved right there. But... Um, I'm not. I'm not that bothered. But I'm not that bothered. But I do care slightly more um, in this game. I think I just put like a anytime Luke Norris goal scorer bet on and watch that come in. I hope Swindon will scrape through. Um, Colchester had a tough one against Plymouth most recently, where they lost only one nil. Um, I don't know what their other game, how their other game finished. They are currently on just the one point, so they drew their first. They drew their first game. And they lost their second. Swindon's confidence is quite high. The squad unity is quite good. So you never know. We might we might pull through with a win. Next week is the big one, though, or the bigger game. It's on Saturday, the 17th of August, as town travel down to Devon to take on Matt Taylor's, no, not that one, Exodus City, 3 o'clock kickoff, of course. If you're going, adults, uh, £23 for seating, £17 in their new terrace. 65s and over and students it's 20 pounds seating and 14 pounds on the terrace and under 18s it's 11 pounds seating and seven pounds on the terrace there is a one pound increase across the categories if you buy a ticket after 12 p.m on friday the 16th of august history it's not great for us. Exeter have been quite troublesome for swindon having completed the league two double against us last season also despite a decent cup record st james's park has not been a good hunting ground for swindon in the league town have lost the last three games this decade at sjp and we haven't won there in the league since march 1986 although in all fairness that isn't a huge amount of fixtures ex-players currently playing for exeter are league two winning lee holmes and 2016 player of the year winner nikki jose City's coaching staff also includes former town loanee Wayne Carlisle and our old goalkeeper coach Steve Hale. Ben, is it too early to talk about a positive result at Exeter City being a good indicator for the season ahead? Um, no, I don't think so. I think Exeter will be one of those teams that are up there. They're, they're third as it stands with six points as well. So they started well and they will be 
up to uh, the end of the season. So I don't think it's that early. I wouldn't call it a six-pointer or anything, but it's definitely a good indication of where Swindon are. And I think it'll definitely be an acid test for uh, Richie Wellens' philosophy and my takes, because I've just been saying you know, over the past two weeks that games like extra way will suit them a bit more than... We shouldn't be throwing them as much as previously. It'll be a tough game, but you know it, it might suit us. But if we are getting beat three, four, five, no, that I'm, I'm going to look like a, a knob out of this early venture, um, saying that they could be an easier game than than, than uh, in previous seasons. So it will be difficult, but like I said, hopefully it will um, suit Swindon a bit more, and the counter attack can be uh, as um, punishing as it was against Gunthorpe a week or two ago. Ben, shall we have some predictions? Two games, Colchester, Exeter. I've been saying 1-1 draws. I'm not stopping. 1-1 draw, Exeter. I think we're going to squeeze past Colchester, though, 2-1. Uh, I'll go, I've got to go for two wins here to, to stand by my take. So I'll stick with the pre-season um, podcast prediction for second round exit. So I'll go for a 1-0 over Colchester. And I'm going to have to stick with my uh, take of extra away will sort of suit us more than, uh, you know... Um, Northampton at home and that sort of thing so I'll go for a 2-1 over extra as well so there's no way we're winning both of those I'm definitely going to be proven wrong the next time we sit down to record but I've got to stand by previous takes that I've made on this podcast so so yeah two wins Ben thank you very much thanks Rich see you next week The Low Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Your computer is going to blow up at some point. <laughs> Convinced of it, yeah. Not good. <laughs> Come on, Swindon. It's a grand old team to play for And it's a grand old team to see you know the history It's going to to make your heart glow oh, We don't care what Newcastle says What the hell do we care? Cos we only know that there's going to be a show And it's wind and time will be Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.